Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Are you, are you? Coming to the tree With a strong upper man The same murder three Strange things that happen here stranger would it be If we met at midnight in the hanging tree Welcome to Strange Things Broadcasting from the Arkansas Radio Studios in Laredo, Texas And welcome to the show. I'm your host, Chris James. Tonight, we're going to be talking about haunted ships. I've talked in the past about ghost ships, but I've never talked about the ships that are actually still out there that are solid steel or wood, but have some extra passengers on board that nobody can explain. What makes a place haunted? Why would the spirit of some dead person, or maybe animal, stay on long after the body has stopped working? I hear all the usual things, like unfinished business, or fear of the next life. This sounds like a good reason, but they don't really explain all of the hauntings out there. I don't think we'll ever actually know why ghosts exist up until we get to interview one, which... That would be a heck of a show. I hope to do it someday, but I'm not going to put it on my schedule yet. The USS Constitution, also known as Old Ironsides, is a wooden-hulled, three-masted heavy frigate of the United States Navy named by President George Washington after the United States Constitution. The name Ironsides came from a battle where British cannonballs seemed to bounce off the wooden sides. This led people to saying it looked like it had iron sides. She is the world's oldest commissioned naval vessel still afloat. She was launched in 1797 and is one of six original frigates authorized for construction by Naval Act of 1794. Joshua Humphreys designed the frigates to be the the young Navy's capital ships, and so Constitution and her sisters were larger and more heavily armed and built than standard frigates of the time. 
She was built by Edmund Hart's Shipyard in the north end of Boston, Massachusetts. Her first duties were to provide protection for American merchant ships during the Quasi-War with France and to defeat the Barbary pirates in the first Barbary Wars. Now, people talk a lot about the pirates of the Caribbean, but they're not too familiar with the Barbary pirates. Uh, maybe I'll have to do a show about that someday. There's nothing really strange about it, but it did happen. Being such an old warship, it's a surprise the Constitution is still in such good shape. Well, they have spent thousands of dollars fixing it up and maintaining it as a museum. There are some who say, why spend so much money on an old ship? Well, this is our history. If not for ships like the Constitution, there would be no United States of America, and we'd all still be British subjects. Or, more than likely, we'd all be speaking German, since we did kind of save Britain's bacon in 1945. Having served as a U.S. warship, there were many men that died while on board. Folks visiting, or those living on board ship, have seen spirits moving about. One man said, We took ghosts as seriously on the Constitution. That was Petty Officer First Class Pete Robertson, who served aboard the ship from 2001 to 2004. Unless you were a brand new crew member, you didn't mess around with that stuff, he said. You didn't make jokes about it. You didn't even try to scare each other because the people were already terrified. A lot of the people were terrified to stand watch on the ship at night. <clears throat> Robertson remembers watching objects roll on the deck for no apparent reason. One night, a 24-pound cannonball rolled to the left, and then to the right, and then back from where it had come, even though the ship was completely still. It kind of looked as if the ship was out at sea, and it was rocking back and forth, but it was still tied up to the pier. There was no way the ship moves that way, he said. It was moving in ways a cannonball just shouldn't move. A foreman, former seaman, Allie Thorpe, who was aboard the ship between 2002 and 2005, never saw a ghost, but she felt their presence. She said, It would feel like there was somebody there with you. It would feel like somebody was walking up behind you and blowing on your neck. The seaman Thorpe said about a hundred yards from the Constitution is an old brick barracks in the Navy Yard. Each room has a rocking chair. The rocking chair, if you moved it to the middle of the room and left it there and just watched it, would go from sitting completely still to a full rock on its own. There are some who will tell you, never rock an empty rocking chair because it will invite the devil to come sit in it. I've heard this in my entire life. 
and I kind of believe it. Well, let's just say I don't rock empty rocking chairs. USS Constitution is permanently moored at the U.S. Navy shipyard in Charleston, Massachusetts, if you want to go visit. It's worth visiting because, like I said, it is part of our history. <clears throat> the USS Constellation, which is another ship, was a 38-gun, wooden-hulled, three-masted frigate of the United States Navy. She was built under the direction of David Strober at his Navy shipyard in Harris Creek, Baltimore's Fells Point Maritime Community, and she was launched September 7, 1797. The Constellation was very close to being a replica of the Constitution. Both ships were built using the same blueprints and were built to serve as warships in the United States Navy. I see my cat is going nuts in the background. One of the spirits that apparently haunts this massive old ship is a captain by the name of Thomas Truxton. This particular spirit actually appears to be a living human. There was a caretaker once that was guided through a detailed tour of the ship. The, ter the caretaker thanked the officials of the ship for the tour and commented on how helpful the tour guide was. Naturally, these officials were quite surprised, as no particular tour guide was on the ship that night that the caretaker claimed to have had his tour. It is believed that this particular spirit is that of Captain Truxton. Another man said, The ghost my wife and I looked saw looked like a living person right up to the point he vanished. It was the most disappointing and surprising ghost sighting since I always thought ghosts should look like they do in the movies. The next spirit that seems to haunt the ship appears to be a teenage boy. Now, this particular boy looks too young to have served as a sailor, but many who have seen him believe that he may have served as what was called a powder monkey on the USS Constellation. Back in the 17 and 1800s, there was no such thing as child labor laws. Navies all over the world would employ men to aim and fire cannon at each other. The gun decks were crowded and cramped. During battle, gunpowder had to be carried to the gun decks so they could continue fighting. You could store the cannonballs on the gun deck, but the gunpowder had to be stored well away from where all the shooting was taking place. Since there was no room to move, the navies began employing young kids from 13 to 16 years of age to run back and forth since they could squeeze past the gun crews. This led to the snipers on enemy ships targeting the young boys, shooting them so they couldn't deliver the gunpowder. During the American Revolution, boys as young as eight would be tasked with carrying gunpowder as men tried to kill each other. 
Visitors to the constellation have seen a young boy dressed in old rags standing on the gun deck. On occasion, they've heard what sounds like a boy crying out in pain. During battle, if a young boy were to get hit by a bullet or some flying debris, there was nobody there to give them first aid. Many believe they are seeing a powder monkey that had died while serving in battle. There are harsh punishments for not doing your job in the military. Back in the days of wooden ships, some of these punishments could be severe. Neil Harvey was assigned to night watch. On a wooden ship at sea, you had to walk around looking for anything that might damage the ship, especially fire. Neil was found sleeping on duty. Well, he was killed by his fellow sailors. There's no record of whether he was intentionally killed or if it was an accident due to his harsh punishment. But nevertheless, he was killed for sleeping on duty by his fellow sailors. They felt that he was actually taking their lives into his own hands by not keeping watch. People report seeing a man dressed like an old-time sailor standing watch. When they ask about this actor, they're told there's nobody dressed like that on board the ship. Maybe Neil is afraid to quit his post today, since he kind of screwed it up the last time. The USS Constellation is moored at Pier 1 in Baltimore, Maryland. The Star of India was built in 1863 on the island of Man in Great Britain. The sides of the ship were iron instead of wood, as were most of the other parts of the ship. This was an experiment at the time to see if they could build sailing ships out of steel and iron. It was christened Utorpe after the Greek goddess of music. Her initial voyages were ill-fated. During her first voyage, she rammed an unlit Spanish brig off the coast of Wales. The crew tried to mutiny immediately after this, so the ship returned to port and 17 of the crew were thrown in jail. During her second voyage, she encountered a cyclone in the Bay of Bengal that sheared off her topmasts. She barely made it to port, having to use only a portion of her sails. On the return trip, her captain died and was buried at sea. She made six cargo runs to India by 1871. After 21 round-the-world trips, in 1897, Utorpe was sold, first to Hawaiian owners and then to shipping company in San Francisco. In 1901, Utorpe was sold to the Alaska Packers Association of San Francisco, who re-rigged her as a bark, and in 1902 the ship was used to carry fishermen, cannery workers, coal and canning supplies from Oakland, California to Nushagak in the Bering Sea. 
On her return trip, the holds would be filled with canned salmon. And that's Roswell make, getting her two cents worth out. In 1906, the association changed her name to the Star of India to be consistent with the rest of their fleet. 1926, the Star of India was sold to Zoological Society of San Diego, California to be the centerpiece of a planned museum and aquarium. The Great Depression of World War II and World War II caused that plan to be canceled. It was not until 1957 that the restoration was begun. Alan Villers, a windjammer captain and author, came to San Diego on a lecture tour. Seeing the Star of India decaying in the harbor, he publicized the situation and inspired a group of citizens to form the Star of India Auxiliary. 1959 to support the restoration of the ship. A progress was still slow, but by 1976, the Star of India finally put to sea once more. She houses an exhibit for the Maritime Museum of San Diego and is kept fully seaworthy. The Star sails at least once a year. The Star of India is the fourth oldest ship still afloat in the United States after the Constitution, the 1841 Charles W. Morgan, and the 1854 Constellation, and is the oldest ship in the world that still sails regularly. Unlike many preserved and restored vessels, her hull, cabins, and equipment are still nearly 100% original. If you watch Dirty Jobs, you got to watch Mike Rowe one time helping maintain the ship. Of course, he made it look twice as hard as it probably is, but, well, that's his job. In 1884, a teenage stowaway named John Campbell snuck aboard in Glasgow. The Euterpe was headed for New Zealand, and Campbell was hoping to escape a life of poverty in a bid for adventure. When Campbell was discovered, the crew put him to work in order to pay his passage. One of his jobs was to climb the masts to service the ropes and the blocks. Everything had to be either painted or greased. During one of his ascents, Campbell fell from the main mast. He landed on the deck, breaking both legs. Talk about painful. Three days later, he died from his injuries, and he was buried at sea. Witnesses have reported seeing him near the main mast on all decks of the ship. He's also been spotted hiding among the various chests in the ship's cargo hold. Other reports state that several visitors to the Star of India have felt a cold hand touch them while they were near the main mast. It feels like somebody is drawing an S on the back, only there's nobody there. Just that weird sensation. A Chinese seaman got caught in the chain room while the anchor was being raised. The heavy iron chain was dropped into the hold below deck. 
The noise of the rising anchor was so loud his cries for help were not heard. He was crushed to death as the chain piled up on top of his body. His ghost is said to haunt the star as well. A black shape has been seen in the salon that moves across the room and into the first mate's cabin. It's seen going right through the door. The ghost hunters, Jason Hawes and Grant Wilson, were on the Star of India during one of their shows. It was season four, episode 26. Jason and Grant were sitting in the main salon where they could hear somebody walking on the deck over their heads. They were the only ones on board at the time. Jason saw a dark figure walking on the deck above him. He ran to see who it was, and the figure turned and disappeared through a closed door. By 1923, the Star of India, being outdated, was bought for $9,000 and towed into San Diego Bay. The new owners wanted to restore her, but the Great Depression and World War II got in the way, and the star fell into very bad disrepair and was briefly used as a floating whorehouse. It wasn't until 1976 that she was finally restored to her original splendor. Today, the Star of India is a part of the San Diego Maritime Museum and is still put out to sea at least once a year. This makes her the oldest active ship in the world. Aside from the star's two resident ghosts, other strange phenomena has been reported over the years. Witnesses say they see a human outline on a bed where nobody is laying. The pots and pans move on their own according to the ship's galley and the smell of fresh bread is often detected even though the galley is no longer used for cooking or baking. As several witnesses have also reported hearing voices and footsteps below them when there's nobody there and as shadow figures have been seen moving about. My wife and I were in San Diego and I walked along the pier looking over the ancient sailing ship. At the time it was super cold and I just wanted to get in out of the wind so I didn't go on board. I wished I had, but I hate cold weather and it was a cold, rainy, wet, nasty day, and I really did not feel like being on a ship out in the water. The military has a long history of using the same names over and over. There's the M1 Garand and the M1 Tank. There have been several ships, all by the same name. The USS Hornet... The CV-12 is the eighth U.S. ship to carry the Hornet name. The first was commissioned in 1775 and battled the British in the Revolutionary War. The second Hornet was commissioned in 1805 and it gained fame in the American battle against the Barbary Pirates and it landed Marines on the shore of Tripoli. The 7th Hornet, or CV-8, launched 16 Army B-25s to 
to strike the Japanese homeland in one of the most daring raids in the history of warfare that was known as the Doolittle Raid. She went on to fight at the Battle of Midway and was lost to an overwhelming air attack during the Battle of the Santa Cruz. The CV is stand, or the CV in the name stands for aircraft carrier, although I have no idea how that works. <clears throat> I see how the C could be for carrier, but what does V have to do with aircraft? The eighth U.S. Hornet, the one currently docked in Alameda, was commissioned in 1943 at the height of the war in the Pacific. She quickly became one of the most highly decorated ships in the Navy. She destroyed 1,410 Japanese aircraft and destroyed or damaged 1,269,000 tons of enemy shipping. Ten Hornet pilots, what did I just say? Ten Hornet pilots attained ace in a day status. That's when you shoot down five or more enemy planes. She supported nearly every Pacific amphibious landing after March 1944 and struck the crucial, critical first hits in sinking the super battleship Yamato. Her pilots are also credited with the first strikes against Tokyo since the 1942 Doolittle Raid. During with Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. the Cold War, the Hornet had the honor of recovering astronauts from both Apollo 11 and 12 missions. An aircraft carrier in times of war or peace is a dangerous place. The sailors have walked into aircraft spinning propellers, they've been sucked into air intakes, and they've been blown off the deck by their exhaust. A dropped ordnance has exploded, burning and maiming soldiers, uh, sailors. A snapping flight arrest cables are known to have decapitated at least three men on the U.S. Hornet. All told, in her 27 years of active service, more than 300 people have lost their lives aboard the ship. People join the Navy thinking it will be one big adventure. They probably watch too many movies. Once they find out how things are not the way they thought, some want to escape from their day-to-day -day lives. A suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. The USS Hornet has the dubious honor for having the highest suicide rate in the Navy. Could there have been something deep within the ship that drew people to end their lives? Why so many in one vessel? Crew and visitor alike have reported an amazing number of strange incidents, sightings, and sounds.
doors opening and closing by themselves, tools that vanish only to reappear after a long search, and they usually appear right back where they originally vanished from. Objects that move across the floor or fall off shelves without any reason. They see spectral sailors that move through the ship as if carrying out orders from another age. The toilets flush by themselves. Eerie presences are felt and feelings of being grabbed or pushed when there's nobody around. Lily McKenzie interviewed several people associated with the ship. One of them was an electrician named Derek. Derek was skeptical of ghosts and he didn't believe in the paranormal. That is until 1995 when he had some incidents that he just could not explain. He said there were six others with him at the time and they were staying on board the ship. We'd all just bunked down, and we had a rule. No exploring. All of a sudden, I heard this banging noise like somebody was opening the hatches, who shouldn't have been. Peter Clayton, our supervisor, came charging around, saying, Okay, who's sneaking around opening hatches? We quickly realized that everybody in the group was still there. As we were still standing there staring at each other, we heard it again. At this point, we were pretty secure. It couldn't have been anyone who had gotten on board the ship. Another member of that same group named Keith had another encounter several years later while painting atop a scissor lift. He said, I was like at 28 feet, stretched to the maximum. I was up there until 8.30 at night, and I was by myself on the ship. I wanted to finish the section I was working on before I left. When I had still about two or three gallons of paint left in my machine, I started hearing voices, aircraft crews talking shop talk, dropping tools and working on airplanes, talking about the airplanes they were working on and parts and home. I thought, wait a minute, come on guys, I'm almost done for the night. Can you let me finish? Let me get down from here. This was really starting to spook me and all of a sudden it stopped. He finished his painting and then he got out of there. A San Jose Mercury News article by Dana Hill Hull described a gathering of more than 200 visitors who had turned out at the ship to hear from a local psychic named Anne Golomac of Alameda. Forty people all described similar experiences. One of them, Alan McKeon, said, I'm not a true believer in all that stuff, but I saw what I saw. One day I saw an officer in khakis descend the ladder to the next deck. I followed him and he was gone. I have no explanation for it. 
Golomek describes the spirits of the hornet as being cohesive and positive, and they are making themselves known because they want the restoration work to continue. They want their stories to be told. As some folks that visit the USS Hornet walk away thinking that was a waste of time. Unless you enjoy looking at the ship. There are several parts of the ship below decks where people get a very uneasy feeling. This could be due to all the wiring that runs from one end of the ship to the other, or it could be they are feeling the spirits around them without ever getting to see them. Any areas lit by red light is off limits to visitors. This is usually because these sections are cramped and there are a lot of things you can get hurt on or if you're not very careful and knowledgeable about the ship. One visitor did step into one of these red lit areas just to have a quick look. Something I would probably do myself. He said as he was standing there it dawned on him the the room had grown unusually quiet. Considering the ship was full of people all walking around and talking, it was eerily void of sound. As he stood there in the near darkness, soaking up the atmosphere and trying to see what was in the distance, he noticed it was very cold where he was standing. The feeling of not being alone grew so overwhelming, he decided it was best to get back out to where he was supposed to be. He left the red-lit area in a hurry. Like he said, it was uneventful, nothing actually happened, but the very odd experience in that one part of the ship. Imagination? Probably, but what's making it sound, seem so weird? You don't just get creepy feelings for no reason at all. With that, I'm going to take a brief pause, drink some coffee, and play some commercials, and try to get my tongue untwisted. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Arkanasa Radio. The following is an excerpt from the Laredo Paranormal Research Society. We don't all see the light. As reported by a second registered nurse. An old woman was approaching the end of her life. She was hospitalized and there was little anyone could do for her. The nurses did their best to see to it she was as comfortable in her last days, checking on her more often than required. The nurse asked, How are you doing tonight? Don't leave me. I don't want to die. Tell that person behind you to go away. I'm not ready. Looking over her shoulder, the nurse could see there was no one there. Don't let him near me. Keep him out of my room. What does he look like? He's covered with hair and his eyes are glowing red. Unable to spend the entire shift with just one patient, the nurse had to continue her shift. At long last, her evening was done, and she passed the floor on to the next nurse. Returning to work the next evening, the nurse asked about the old woman. Oh, well, 
but she died early this morning. You should have seen it. What? What happened? She was found in the morning laying in bed. She choked to death. Her tongue was hanging way out of her mouth and it was covered with some black, nasty, smelly substance. My God, I wonder what happened to her. Didn't you know? She used to practice witchcraft. She was into very evil things. Did you hear a bump in the night and you think it just might be a ghost? Contact the Laredo Paranormal Research Society at LaredoParanormal at Hotmail.com That's the LPRS for all your otherworldly needs. Makeup isn't something you want to just smear on and hope for the best. You might come out looking like Lon Chaney. Call Lourdes James, independent beauty consultant, and get a free makeover to see how makeup should be done. 956-723-3019 If you need to squint and hold things out at arm's length to see them, maybe you should get your eyes checked. Del Norte Optical, 107 Calle del Norte, is right across from the Embassy Suites. Stop squinting and start seeing. Coffee, nectar of the gods. And at the Organic Man Coffee Trike, you'll find coffee made the right way. One delicious cup at a time. Stop on by 4501 McPherson, Suite Number 9. And remember, life is too short to drink bad coffee. This is Arkanasa Radio you've been listening to. And welcome back to the show. That little excerpt I played at the beginning of the commercials is from the book Laredo Paranormal Research Society, which you can get a copy of at Amazon.com. I wrote it, so I'm kind of biased about how the story went. But it's uh, it's true life accounts of our local ghost hunting and UFO investigating crew. In Corpus Christi sits the Lexington. This is the 1943 version. My wife and I have visited it a long time ago, and we plan to return soon. It's something to see even if you're not into ghosts. The USS Lexington, or CV-2, was nicknamed Lady Lex. It was an early aircraft carrier built for the United States Navy. She was the lead ship of the Lexington class, and her only sister ship was the Saratoga. 
Originally designed as a battle cruiser, she was converted into one of the Navy's first aircraft carriers during construction to comply with the terms of the Washington Naval Treaty of 1922, which essentially terminated all new battleships and battle cruiser construction. The ship entered service in 1928 and was assigned to the Pacific Fleet for her entire career. May 8, 1942, during the Battle of Coral Sea, the Lexington was hit by two torpedoes and two bombs. As time went by, a fuel leak caused a fire below deck. The fire spread despite efforts to stop it. As the day moved on, the fire grew worse, and soon the ship was being evacuated. Captain Sherman ordered abandoned ship at 1707. By 1830, the crew was off and the captain stepped from the deck for the last time. The destroyer, Phelps, was ordered to sink the ship and fired a total of five torpedoes between 1915 and 1952. That's 7.52 for civilians. Immediately after the last torpedo hit, the Lexington, down by the bow, but nearly on an even keel, finally slipped beneath the waves. 216 crewmen were killed and 2,735 managed to be evacuated. Lexington received two battle stars for her World War II service. She was officially struck from the Navy Register on June 24, 1942. After the Navy's public acknowledgement of the sinking, workers at the Quincy shipyard where the ship had been built 21 years earlier cabled Navy Secretary Frank Knox and proposed a change in the name of one of the new Essex-class fleet carriers currently under construction. The Cabot was nearly complete, and it was decided to change the name to Lexington, CV-16. The 5th Lexington served until 1991. The Border Patrol had started a medical unit since people tend to get stuck, or sick or injured in places ambulances couldn't go. We would receive training from local schools, the Army and sometimes the Navy. One of these classes was taught by Seaman First Class Floyd, who had been an electrician on board the Lexington until he was nearly killed when somebody turned the power on a line that he was working on. He decided to become a corpsman instead. A Seaman Floyd was a sailor of the fleet, which I understand is quite an honor. He was quite a character to listen to during our lectures on first aid. I wonder if he's out there listening. If you are, howdy Captain, I mean Captain, howdy Seaman Floyd, I hope you're doing well. His birth on board the Lexington was right beneath the landing area where the jets would come in and hit the arresting cables. And every time a jet would hit the deck, small bits and pieces of paint would flake off and land on Seaman Floyd's head. He said he probably swallowed half of the paint on the ship. 
Well, Tokyo Rose announced that the Lexington had been sunk. Oh, then the Japanese Navy heard calls coming from and going to the Lexington. A Japanese ship claimed it sank the new Lexington, only to see the ship still afloat. Over the course of the war, the Lexington was claimed destroyed several times. The ship became known as the Blue Ghost. The Lexington was hit by a kamikaze in the, uh, near the island. That's the control tower that sticks up on the right side of the main deck. And it was badly damaged. The ship was declared sunk once more, only to reappear later on. Several sailors have been killed on this ship. The most massive amount of death that occurred at once happened when that Japanese plane crashed into the ship. Many people say they have seen a man from the Second World War era standing on the deck near the island. As they watch, the man fades away into nothing. Visitors to the Lexington say they hear what sound like men yelling and screaming. Some say they hear what sounds like a battle going on around them. They hear machine guns firing and bombs exploding. The sounds of aircraft taking off and landing has also been reported. A storm blew into the bay where the ship is permanently moored. An employee that was on the ship said during the storm, the power went out. The flight deck was lit only as lightning flashed across the sky. The lightning was accompanied by the sound of men yelling and guns being fired. He tried to catch everything with his camera and he did get some of the lights and sounds. Jason and Grant, yes, the ghost hunters, visited the Lexington along with their cast. Donna was overcome by a feeling of unease when they entered the power shop. They did catch some EVPs and a few images, but nothing that would say the ship is beyond a doubt haunted. I was on Jason's new radio show recently, Beyond Reality Radio. Unfortunately, Jason was away filming his latest ghost show. It's to be called Ghost Nation. I did get to talk to J.V. Johnson, who is the co-host. I didn't know the show was on so late at night when I'd signed up. I was on at midnight until one in the morning. Uh, lots of coffee that night. A psychic I know that visited the Lexington said it was haunted as far as she was concerned. In the engine room on the USS Lexington, many individuals have said they have heard screams. These screams are both men and women. This is the room that was hit the hardest when the Japanese plane wrecked into the haunted ship. A great number of people died in this room when this tragic crash occurred. If you do go visit the Lexington, I recommend you go there to see the ship. Take photos and listen to what's going, around, going on around you, but don't focus solely on looking for ghosts. The paranormal experiences I've had were when I was just relaxing, enjoying the day. Keep your camera handy so if you do see anything odd, you can click off a few photos to examine later. 
That is how you catch something strange. The USS Yorktown, a CV-10, is an Essex-class aircraft carrier that was named in commemoration of the sunken USS Yorktown CV-5, which was destroyed during the Battle of Midway, 1942. Built in 1941 and first launched in 1943, she served in the Pacific Theater in World War II, earning 11 battle stars, and again in the Vietnam War, earning five more. She's a bit of a movie star, having been used in films like Tora, 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 and The Philadelphia Experiment, in addition to the documentary The Fighting Lady. She was even a recovery ship for Apollo 8 space mission. The United States Navy donated the USS Yorktown to the Patriots Point Development Authority in 1974, and she's now a part of the Patriots Point Naval and Maritime Museum, located in Mount Pleasant, just across the Cooper River from downtown Charleston. In 1986, she was declared a National Historic Landmark. The staff working at the museum have witnessed some interesting activity, including apparitions so clear they were mistaken as being members of the ship's crew, only they were dressed incorrectly. The sightings have been reported by the museum staff, visitors, and even police officers have seen all kinds of unexplained things. Unexplained things have been seen just about everywhere on board the ship, from the hangar deck to the flight deck, the engine rooms, the officers' stateroom, and the weapons locker area. A total of 141 men died aboard the USS Yorktown, and it would appear some are still there. A ghost has been seen hanging out in the radar room. One man even managed to photograph it. The image shows what looks like a man standing just inside the doorway to the room. The man is wearing heavy, long sleeve shirt that looks like a uniform from the past. The photographer said he was not wearing a long sleeve shirt when he took the photo. August temperatures in Charleston are easily in the mid to high 80s, with heat indexes approaching 100 degrees. Anyone who would wear a heavy shirt during a South Carolina August would have to be nuts. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Ghost Hunters, or the Atlantic Paranormal Society, TAPS, went to the Yorktown on an investigation. They were there in February 2012. What they experienced was pretty remarkable. With the museum closed and all the power to the ship turned off, the eight-person team split into pairs and began searching the ship to confirm or debunk what was reported. 
Their full investigation aired on the Sci-Fi Channel, Ghost Hunters, May 2nd, 2012. The TAPS crew caught some unknown voices talking in parts of the ship that nobody was in. They also managed to catch a full-body apparition. They recorded some conversations and sounds of laughter. One of the specters was spotted on the flight deck where a plane had crashed, killing three crewmen. The South Carolina ETV toured the ship looking for ghosts. They set up a laser grid in one of the corridors and then left the camera to catch anything that might show up while they were away. When reviewing their photos, they saw what looked like a leg sticking out of the wall. The next image is what looks like a man walking away down the corridor. They also caught sounds of somebody walking along the ship when there was nobody there. As they were interviewing the ghost tour guide, somebody can be heard talking over his words. It is neat to be given access to places where the normal public aren't allowed. On some of our investigations, the LPRS have been in some interesting places. This is only accomplished by maintaining a high level of professionalism while on investigations. If you run around acting like a bunch from a sitcom and you have a criminal record for trespassing, you won't get invitations to look into places like Laredo Community College or maybe an aircraft carrier. The RMS Queen Mary is a retired British ocean liner that sailed primarily on the North Atlantic Ocean from 1936 to 1967 for the Cunard Line. They also sailed for the White Star Line. RMS stands for Royal Mail Ship. If the name White Star seems familiar, that's because the Titanic was a White Star ship. When the company was no longer making enough to stay afloat, literally, they sold everything to their competitors, the Cunard. The Queen Mary was in service as a high-class floating palace, as well as transporting people that were moving to the United States. The ship sailed from England to New York and back for years, up until the beginning of World War II. The British gave the ship a paint job, giving it a gray from stem to stern. They then began using it as a troop ship, transporting thousands of soldiers to England to fight the Nazis. Because of the gray paint job, the ship became known as the Gray Ghost. During one Atlantic crossing, the ships were moving in a zigzag pattern to try avoiding U-boats. The Queen Mary zigged when the ship next to them zagged and the Queen Mary cut the ship next to it in half. The ships crossing the Atlantic at the time were told never stop for any reason. A stationary ship was a sitting target for U-boats. The Queen Mary continued sailing as the 300-plus men from the other ship were left to feed the sharks or drown. 
Visitors to the Queen Mary today have said they hear what sounds like somebody pounding on the hull of the ship late at night. It sounds like somebody on the wrong side of the hull is trying to get in. War always brings out atrocities, but how about a cook that was cooked? Because the kitchen staff became so mad at him, they shoved him into a giant oven. The cook was cooked before anyone could rescue him. His screams are reported to echo his horrible death to this day. In her time, the Queen Mary carried seasick sailors, destitute stowaways, and wealthy vacationers. With this kind of history, it's not surprising she saw her own share of death. The best guess is around 50. In fact, there are so many hauntings that some parts of the ship are now barred from the public. But for the paranormally curious, there are still haunted tours of the cabins and halls that housed death. You can also rent a cabin for the night on board the Queen Mary. Of the numerous deaths, there was a young seaman by the name of John Henry who lied about his age in order to get a job on the ship. He was working below decks in one of the boilers when a fire broke out. As he was running for safety, he was crushed to death trying to get through an automatic door that slammed shut on him. To this day, knocks can be heard around engine room 13 where the young man met his untimely death. It's been reported that the door to engine room sometimes hot to the touch or that a ball of light is seen with tendrils of smoke around it. A girl from the third class thought she'd have some fun and slide down the banister in the forward pool room. Jacqueline Torn was in the second class pool when a sudden wave pitched the ship around and she was thrown from the banister landing on her head. She broke her neck in the fall and then slipped into the water. She now wanders the pool area and the nursery. The people see wet footprints coming from a dry swimming pool. And she's not alone. In the 30s and the 60s, two other women met their unfortunate deaths in the pool area, and they're seen periodically in the area. <clears throat> Vice has followed ocean liners just like it does the military. During one of the transatlantic voyages, a passenger gave a steward some cash in exchange for his arranging a willing female passenger to keep him company for the night. After stowing his luggage, the steward went to look for a female companion willing to spend the night with a male passenger. A woman of negotiable affections, as Terry Pratchett would have said, for some, this was considered to be part of the job. Being out at sea, laws are enforced by the captain and his bridge crew, so things like this did happen. In the morning, the man was not at his place in the dining hall. Back then, you were expected to be at the table for breakfast and dinner. And you dressed for the meal. 
The steward went to find the passenger and see if there was anything else he could do to make a few extra bucks. Knocking at the door, the steward tried the knob. The door was unlocked, so he peeked inside. What he found was the corpse of the female companion. It looked as if she'd been killed by the man, so the ship's crew were told to look for the possible murderer. They could not locate the male guest. The steward checked the registration, only to find the room had not been rented. This led to the steward going down to the hold to check on the passenger's luggage. There was nothing there that belonged to the missing passenger. The psychic, Peter James, no relation as far as I know, claimed that he had communicated with over 150 separate ghosts on board the Queen Mary. How could there be so many ghosts if there were only about 50 people died on board? There is something known as a walk-in. That's a ghost that appears in a location for no known reason. When we were investigating the LEA, we found several ghosts in a brand new auditorium where no one had ever been reported dying. Yet there were ghosts. So there are more ghosts on board the Queen Mary than people died. A Peter would give a bi-monthly ghost tour of the ship and he claimed to have made numerous contacts with various ghosts, including a few that were mentioned above. From the sheer number and types of deaths that occurred, it seems plausible. Well, Peter died July 31st, 2007 at the age of 71 from a heart attack. This makes me wonder, even though he did not die on the ship, Will Peter be making an appearance to the folks going on ghost tours today? If you're not familiar with who Peter James was, he had super white hair and a black mustache. Kind of his trademark. Well, I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. If you did, tell your friends. Tell people you don't even know. Tell them to listen up. I could always use a bigger audience. Till next Saturday, this is Chris James for Strange Things. Are you, are you coming to the tree With a strong upper man, the same murder three Strange things did happen here, no stranger would it be If we met at midnight in the hanging tree